Hey everyone, welcome back to The Transfer. We're excited that you're listening today. I'm Jared. I'm Pastor Beck. And we're going to shoot through a fair chunk of Mark today. A bit of Mark 8, a bit of Mark 9, and a bit of Mark 10. Shall I just jump straight into it? Yeah, go for it. Why don't you just give us the headings and we might talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to land in Chapter 10 talking about the rich young ruler. Easy. So I'm just going to summarize uh, from Mark 8 starting at verse 27. So Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ. Jesus pretty much goes, who am I? And then Peter goes, you're the Christ. And Jesus goes, tell no one. Basically it. And then So remember that this is a major deal um, in one of the themes of Mark being that Jesus is the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Peter recognizes that is one of the, cli- like this verse could almost be said to be the climax yeah. of uh, this story. Mm. We'd love this account. Mm. We'd love to camp out here, but we've got something else to talk about. But that's super important. Uh, Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ. Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. He's pretty much telling people that he has to die, but will rise again. Uh, the transfiguration, which we'd love to talk about. Did you want to touch on that quickly? Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, it's probably the mountain they're talking about is Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon, I went to Israel in 2014 and we went to Mount Hermon. They say that Mount Hermon probably was also the location of where Deborah used to sit and hold court as a judge of Israel and where uh, Barak would have come and, and met Deborah and even gone down that valley. And um, it's a very interesting thought that those two things kind of happened probably around the same place. So that's just a bit of random trivia. And Deborah is in Judges, right? You said it was Judges? Yeah, so it's Old Testament for sure. So long time between Deborah and Jesus. But the idea that the transfiguration happened, so it's where Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus um, mm. and they begin they uh, they begin to talk with, with Jesus Um yeah, about, yeah. well, any idea what they talked to him about? Uh, well, look, I've always been very confused by that part of Scripture, but Jesus, but God, or a voice uh, comes down and says, pretty much, this is the man that you need to talk to. This is the man that you uh, need to listen to. Yeah, a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. But uh, listen to him and suddenly look around. They long saw anyone but with Jesus only. So it was kind of a, an amazing show. And then God saying, hey, this is my son. You need to listen to him. So it was Yeah. There. What can you, what can we understand about the future? If Moses and Elijah, who are passed on, mm-hmm. can appear and be recognized now many years later. Interesting. How did the disciples know what they looked like? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Good thought. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe they just knew. I suppose, look, I suppose in their little Jewish minds, if anybody was going to rock up uh, next uh, next to Jesus, it would be probably those two because they were, they were kind of a big deal. I think it's interesting. It, that's why they use the term transfigured or transfiguration mm. because it's talking about a divine encounter uh, or a, an encounter that is of a divine nature that, you know, um, these two now appear and it, like it says that Jesus, um, it says, and he was, it says, and after six days, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. So not only did Elijah and Moses appear, but Jesus was changed. Mm. 
um, as they're watching him. And, and then I guess that confirming voice that this is my son, this is my beloved son, listen to him, really is quite quite phenomenal but it lets us know that there is possibility i mean of life after death it lets us know that when um you know when you die it's not the end of the story Mm. and this is even before jesus has died and risen again it's interesting about the place that it falls in the narrative too peter confesses jesus is christ jesus foretells his death and resurrection the transfiguration these are all massive massive moments and then god says this is my son listen to him so just interesting that it falls in that kind of right order shall i keep going yeah keep going jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit uh, Jesus, again, foretells his death and resurrection. He's really trying to get that point across about, hey, guys, I'm going to die. Get ready for that one. Uh, then the disciples have a squabble about who is the greatest among them. Yeah. Now, remember, if these were all teenagers, this totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense no matter what the age is, I guess, but even more so that all of a sudden, you know, one, who's better, you or me? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And, of course, how does that go down? Not great. Um not not great jesus ends up putting a child there and go you need to be like this kid and not be squabbling amongst yourselves yeah um anyone not against us is for us it's a really interesting little part of scripture there and then talks about some temptations to sin uh if it causes goes on to say that if you cause people to sin that's a big deal yeah that's a big big deal and then Jesus uh, teaching about divorces. Where are we going to camp today, right? No, don't worry. I'm just joking, everyone. Um, and then, which we come to the part about the rich young man. And yeah, I mean, and even that where Jesus begins to teach on divorce, you know, he's not afraid to address topics that mm. are controversial or, or topics that there's a God thought on. Mm. You know, God has designed for... Uh, men and women to be married and to I mean the best case scenario would be that a man and woman can stay married and raise up their kids and or live their life however you know uh, following God's way but Jesus addresses divorce why because he knows that that's not always the case and kids listening to us maybe they've been through families that have faced divorce and Jesus will go on to talk about the hardness of people's hearts and um you know, Moses was um, in his law. He allowed a man to write a certificate of a divorce and send a wife away. And Jesus said to them, "But it was because your heart was hard that you did this." Mm. And he's just talking to them about the condition of of their hearts. Cool. All right. Shall I read the the story of the rich young man? Yeah. Uh, and he was setting out on his journey, and a man. This is Jesus, and the his dudes he was setting out on his journey a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life um that eternal life that does that talk about life just in the future like life heaven or is there something about that eternal life that's for now yeah it's i think that eternal life is that the life that you're living that begins now right so i can say that my journey with jesus it doesn't start when i die my journey with Jesus started the day that I said yes to him, the day that I surrendered my life to him began. There will be a point, the location, the right. geography of where I live out that changes. Right. Um, you know, my, my address changes. But, yeah, that life that you're living begins 
at that time. So when it says, what must I do to inherit eternal life, that's just not talking about when we die. That's kind of talking about right now as well, right? Yeah, it starts now. Okay. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Interesting where it says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Um... We often read this story of the rich young ruler and think this is a rich kid who's got a whole bunch of money, who's like, I'm, you know, so, you know, too cool for school, I'm awesome and all of that. And Jesus, here's my list of things I've done. Jesus could have gone and Jesus looked at him and thought, oh, brother, here we go again. Mm. It doesn't say that. Mm. It says Jesus looked at him looking at him loved him and I would love to point out the first thought that Jesus sees him and I think sometimes we can have preconceived ideas about people you know whether they've got it all together or whether they don't and we can miss actually seeing them as people and we just you know skip over them but Jesus looked at him looking at him loved him and said and I wonder if when we look at people and talk with them, do we do it from a place of love or do we do it from a place of judgment or do we do it from a place of, well, I'll tell you, Jesus, the instruction that Jesus gives now is because he loves him. And so he will go on to say, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And what happens? This kid says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. Why do you think they were exceedingly astonished? Well, I remember hearing something about this ages ago, but... uh I understand that in a Jewish mind, if you were rich, you were considered blessed by God. You were considered that you know, God had favor on you. So in their head, I imagine that this person that they think God has massive amounts of favor on and that God loves and blessed, come to Jesus and said, how do I get eternal life? And they're like, and Jesus is like, sell all your stuff and then give it to the poor. And he even said that he's, he's like from his youth, that he's kept all the commandments, like, kind of be like I bet they kind of stood there and went well geez what do we have to do can anyone do this yeah and they it's exactly what they said they asked the question then who can be saved like Mm. if this guy can't he's a he's a classic good kid he hasn't done anything wrong he's he's all he's got is some money like and he probably you know his family worked hard for that like This is a good family. Mm. So he's saying, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible. And let me read it to you uh, again from the message paraphrase. Um, He says, 
to Jesus is, Teacher, from my youth I've kept everything. And Jesus looked him hard in the eye and he loved him and he said, There's one thing left. It's interesting to me that Jesus often knows the things that we're withholding from him. You know, he was withholding his possessions. Why? Because they obviously held a greater standing in his mind than anything else to the point that he couldn't leave them. Well, it doesn't say that. It would be interesting if he went away, thought about it for a couple of months and then and then sold his possessions. But that may have not, but that's just... He says, go and sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and come follow me. And the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. And I wonder if there are things in our lives that we've held so tightly. And we can give a list to God of things that we've given him, like... You know, we don't swear and we don't do this and we don't do this. I mean, this is what this guy's doing. I do all this stuff. I honor my mum and my dad. I don't steal. I don't, you know, cheat. I've, you know, he's my report card, Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you're forgetting all that other stuff that you won't let go of. And he says, and Jesus gets to the very heart of the issue. Go and sell your stuff. And he just says, I can't do it. And Jesus says, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? The, the disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. And he goes on to use, you know, think about a needle and the eye of the needle that you thread, you know, the, the thread through that um, Jesus is saying, it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get in. Why? Why do you think it's so hard for the rich to get in? First of all, like, the thing that kind of I have to think about when I think this, worldly terms, if you're listening to this on a relatively new iPhone living in a comfortable house, you're one of the rich ones. 100%. So there's a challenge there for all of us. And you're like, hmm, I love my MacBook. I love my car is I don't really like my car but it works um, like I have all these things that I love I love my books I love like part of me has to go wait where am I in this story is there something that I wouldn't give up but I feel like it goes beyond possessions for me like like would I give up playing soccer every week it's what I love to do yeah would I are there things that I'm holding on to too tight if this is there something that if God came down and asked for it, I couldn't let it go. Right. So I have to kind of think, what has hold of me? What has hold of my time? What has hold of my priorities? What has hold of my love? So that's... Yeah, and verse 27, Jesus gets really blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eugene Peterson would phrase it this way. He says, there's no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. And I think that's the point. Eternal life is not something you can earn. You can, you know, show your report card and, you know, Peter's at the pearly gates and says, yeah, come on into heaven. It's not like that. You need God. You need to accept that Jesus came, died for your sin, and rose again to give you eternal life, you need God to get in. It's like if I had a mansion and, um, you know, I went, no, 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 I'm going to get into that house, and I went to the guy who owned the house and gave him my report card, like, I've done this and this and this and this and this, and he says, um, no, that's not the way to get in. And, well, and then 
you know, the only way to get in would be to know the Son and let the Son open the door. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus says, if you think you can do this by yourself, you can't. There is nothing you can do to get into heaven. There is nothing you can do to begin this eternal life journey. This is a God thing. So this is you need the Son. You need Jesus. And so Peter tries another angle. He says, well, we've left everything to follow you, verse 28. What about me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then in verse 29 to 31, Jesus says, Mark my words, no one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back. But multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and land, but also in troubles. Excellent. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last and the last will be first. What's Jesus saying? I never do things the way you expect. I'm also, I also have you back. Like, you may lose it, but don't worry, I got you covered. Yeah, yeah. And I think there are, I can think of even in my own family or sacrifices that people have made. Um, You know, my dad was a missionary in Papua New Guinea for you know a portion of his early life and and you know there were certain things he gave up to go there and and I can think of other people you know who've served all around the world or even just to be in ministry and their families didn't agree or people have faced certain things and Jesus is saying nothing you do for me is in vain you'll get it back you'll get it back more than you can contain but you need him. The bottom line of this story is you need Jesus. You can't do it alone. Beautiful. Is that a great place to leave it? It is. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take it easy. See ya.